0: Yo, what's up? You have found we like the Blazers. I am your host Ryan Whitledge, and I am joined, as always, by our fearless leader Brandon Golden. Yeah. gotta keep I it had, in.
1: Gotta keep I it in. Keep one it going. Job. Keep it one rolling. Job. We're not <laughs> editing. This. No, I'm not editing this out. What's up, Ryan? It's Brandon Golden here. Uh... <laughs> I'm happy to be here. It's good to see both. We have one other voice on the line, though, and it is from the Trailcasters. It's Keith Feltner-Smith. Ryan, you totally messed that up. Keith, what's up, buddy? How you doing?
2: What's up, guys? I'm just here to laugh. This is perfect. You you guys can do a podcast. I'm just gonna laugh in the background.
1: I'm I'm throwing a fit
0: about I'm the captain now. This is my ship, and I sink it within the first (laughs) four seconds. Four seconds of me being in charge, and I just sink
1: it. Beautiful.
0: I was gonna take the time to welcome you to your own podcast after you weren't going to make it and then you were going to make it but instead I'm going to pivot. I'm going to say that this is extremely weird because flashback to three and a half years ago, the first podcast I ever did a guest appearance on, I was asked by one Mr. Keith hey,
2: that's to right. join
0: the trailcasters with you two. That's
2: right. Wow, back in the old school days. Yes,
0: yeah, so this is a very weird cyclical thing where everything it comes, comes full circle. Around. Yep,
1: yep. Exactly. Yeah, I uh, the the, about me not being here really quick i confused sunday with monday somehow which i don't know how that's possible
2: um so that happened and then <laughs> what happened. yeah we, last monday was off so you're just uh you're stuck in like a groundhog's loop I, from last weekend so that's weekend i like that
1: that's i thought that might have been what it was it was it, it's something in my i think that, yeah that's probably what it was I, something in my head is like oh yeah i'm not working until this time and so anyway it was funny because we drove an hour <laughs> the thing we were gonna do got canceled and we drove all the way back but Anyway, here I am. So Ryan, thank you for for welcoming me here. I'm, I'm... <laughs> you can't talk either. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I definitely can't. Uh, I'm happy to be here. So yeah, I'm letting you I, as much as our captain just drove the ship onto a sandbar and we're now stranded. I'm going to give the the wheel this... What do you call it? The ship's wheel? What's What do you call that? Oh, God. Is it uh, the wheel? Is there a name for it? It's I not think just, there is. It's not just steering wheel. That's not what it is. What's the nodding... Yeah, someone Google this. Uh, yeah, I need to figure this out. I will hand the, the the big, giant ship's wheel with the wooden knobs that come out back to Ryan uh, and, and let him drive this. I'm sure people are really appreciating this the, part of the podcast. The wheel of a ship is a modern method of changing the
0: angle. It is also... The helm. Helm. No, uh, that, helm. Is, that is the area of the- the ship where the wheel is located Uh, it is called a wheel but it is also called a galver
2: no that we need to make up a new word Google, Google is, I typed in what is the ship's steering wheel called? And it says the steering wheel of the ship is called the helm. The term helm is also used to indicate the area of the ship where the steering wheel is located. Oh. Continue reading. I'm not continuing. I got my answer. Okay, fine.
0: <laughs> and it does say that the helm of a ship is a tiller or a tiller or wheel and any associated equipment for steering a ship or boat. So, only what, what the, was
2: best. the first What was the G word? What was the first one? A, ga- uh, uh, a galver. You know, I, I like that. I've never heard that before. Uh, I feel like I'm going to call the, the steering wheel of my car the Galver now. <laughs> Only- I'm, I'm taking the Galver. Let's go! Oh my God! <laughs> only
1: the finest nautical talk on. We like the Blazers. How we do it here? Jesus, take Avast. the Galver! <laughs> Jesus, take the Galver! Oh my Lord! Okay.
0: So as as of our last as of our last recording, that was right after Game Four, I believe, and we felt great. And oh my gosh! And two games have happened since then. So just a little recap, quickly, of how we got here. So the Blazers. God, I am doing great at podcasting with my inability to talk to <laughs> The Blazers lost a heartbreaker of game five in double overtime in which Damian Lillard literally left everything out on the floor only to be completely abandoned by all of his teammates, <coughs> losing 147 to 140. And so then in a winner go home game six back at Moda Center where crowd capacity was increased to 10,000, I hope at least somebody
1: got a white claw out of that deal. I got two, <laughs> two white claws. I was there. And I was nice. really convinced they were going to win, and they didn't win. That was so, really
2: frustrating. Yeah. It looked they, so good for a while, man.
1: Yeah, they came out strong, had a lot of energy, but
0: it's just like they weren't able to sustain it and ended up falling short in the fourth quarter. And it's just like there was a certain point in time, um, you know, we're just up and down the roster. You just like watch the
1: soul leave the team, and, and nobody cared anymore. Can uh, we, are we going to, can we, are, is this a time to talk about that game or do you have a different plan for us? I'm oh, letting you go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, they're they're. We're, I got no, a... no. You,
2: you've got the Galver here, Ryan. Come on. Where, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna going? say. Yeah,
1: you're the Galver man. He's there at the helm, <laughs> God, driving the sound... steering wheel of this ship. That so... sounds so disgusting. <laughs> but but yes, well. what <laughs>
0: we'll get to all the post game don't go to urban dictionary t-
1: and google any of that all that stuff oh there's some urban dictionary <laughs> there's some urban dictionary stuff i could send you guys down a rabbit hole for but don't but- don't urban dictionary rabbit hole either but like okay so my turning point of that game okay of game 6 it was in the third quarter the blazers were up by double digits and nurkic didn't have any fouls and i think he got he got one but he had one he had, he had one in the first, the first half. half yeah no, he didn't. No, he didn't have mm-hmm. any fouls the first half. No, he didn't. He had one first half foul. He had zero. He got four in the third quarter, and then he had so, to sit. Oh my! Yes, God. he had zero in the first half, guaranteed. So I was there. I was looking up at the board. I knew he had zero. Somebody, if someone wants to fact check that, go for it. But actually, that's not hey, even the point. Game five and six
2: will blend together. Yeah, at, at this yeah. point, it's hard to keep track. But he, yeah, I, he, he you was were there, you're an eyewitness.
1: He he was foulless. He got one foul in the third quarter. But the turning point of that game for me, and I wonder if either of you felt this. Maybe you didn't. Maybe it's just me complaining. It's when. Jokic went up for a three, and Nurkic contested. It didn't look like he touched him, and he was a hop- challenge call. The yeah. challenge call. He was so upset, and he goes over to Stotts and he runs over. And he's basically like, "Please, Coach Stotts, please challenge the call." And Stotts didn't do it. And like even as Nurkic is walking to the lane to set up for the the three free throws that Jokic is now getting, Nurkic he was he was like con- trying to console himself. His head was in his hands. He was like shaking and like that. I kind of felt it. I'm like, S- this is not
2: good. Did Did you hear what uh, Stott said post-game about the, the challenge, no challenge kind of thing, too? No. Uh, he was asked, why didn't you challenge that? And Stott says, well, Nert came up to me, and I asked him, did you touch him? And he says, I only kind of touched him, or I barely yeah. touched yeah, him. Yeah, he oh. said, I barely touched like, him. Well, if you barely him. touched him, it's still a foul. Nert yeah.
0: So you're not going to get enough, too. I mean, because it's the irrefutable evidence and whatnot. So if if your pinky grazes his pinky, they're going to
1: stand by it, so... Yeah, that's he should know better. He sh- I, All
0: right. Well, anyway, so where, that- where where I think that had a bigger ripple effect is then on the on the broadcast at home with when they were showing Nurk going up to Stotts and being like, "Challenge!" You saw the bench. You saw Norman Powell get up and get animated, and everybody was saying, "Go challenge it." And Stotts has always said that he will challenge a call. Uh, based off what his players say, but he he did mention that he had coaches in the background going, "Yeah, I think he got him or whatnot." And so obviously, in the heat of the moment, no no NBA player ever thinks they've ever fouled anybody ever in their entire career. Um, I, I still think Ron Artest doesn't think he ever, or sorry, Meta World Peace thinks he never fouled <laughs> anybody. But um, but yeah, and, and so it just appeared as though that when Stotts decided not to challenge that, that was like kind of a all right, well, coach. Doesn't believe in us or coach That's doesn't it. have faith in us and coach doesn't trust us And that. And however incorrect that was, because looking back, you can that was the correct decision to not waste that challenge of that time. It just rippled its way down that bench and had a negative effect.
1: I think that's a really I think that's a really good point where it's like because later they use their challenge on a simple out of bounds call. By the way, they lost that challenge, right? But I agreed. With,
0: I agreed with him taking that one, though. I know a lot of people don't, but I agreed with him taking
1: it. Right, but I think your point is a good one. Nurkic, the whole thing with him was you know don't foul out, but that how disciplined he had been for so long, and he he lost it. He lost his focus at that point, and I think. To your point, I think that if Stotts had challenged that call, even if... They knew that he had touched him a little bit, and it would have been overturned. Maybe that would have kept him focused. Maybe he would have felt like his coach had his back, right? And like, I'm wondering now that you're saying this, like Nurkic's post game comments, which were you know beyond cryptic. I just, I wonder if that. I would, no, I really wonder if that stuck with him. Like, I don't know, Keith, if you have an opinion about like whether that like Stotts not challenging the call, if Nurkic just said you don't have my back. Like, I don't know.
2: Yeah, I, I, I get what Ryan's saying about um as far as the team just being like, okay, you know, this guy doesn't trust us for it, but. Yeah, I, I think the focus here is really on Nurkic. He has been the key, especially in this series, but the, the defensive difference he makes as far as the uh, defensive rating and all the numbers that you see once he's come back and been healthy playing real minutes. Uh, in this series, when we've seen him foul out, it's, it just it seems so much like that's where there go the chances. And while I agree that this was kind of maybe the not the, the non call the non challenge was kind of like the last straw honestly I think like that might have that game ended the team season, but I feel like game five ended the team as far as like if we're saying Ooh. If we're saying if we're saying this was the point where maybe like Ryan said, the players are saying, okay, we just can't, we're not, you know, linking up with this coach. I think game five there was a same kind of like loss of connection where it's like we we go this far, we go we go that far through it. They all know changes are coming. They've got to all know at that point Stats is pretty much on the way out. If they didn't, if it didn't, um, sorry, if it didn't take until game six. See now we all can't talk. I'm stuttering through uh, <laughs> what I'm saying, but. Uh, yeah, I I think uh, the real seed had been kind of set in Game 5, and maybe Game 6 with Nurk kind of coming back, Like there was a little bit of like, okay, last-ditch effort, let's see what can happen here. But yeah, I don't know if there was much reversing it after the Game 5 loss.
0: Yeah, and so like with Nurk's post-game comments, you know, it, it caught everybody – off guard because you know he's talking about you know he he wasn't used correctly and and then launch and then the which I'm like all right you have you have more to give what you've you've been hiding two fouls somewhere but <laughs> but um but w- Actually, yeah, let, let's let's go on that. So Nurk talking about not being utilized correctly, being underused, whatever. I can actually kind of see and sympathize with him on where he's coming from in that part. I know a lot of people rolled rolled their eyes. They're like, dude, you know, you, you we have stated that you're a central part of this team. You know, we run things through you. But if you go back and watch games, the Blazers always initiate that pick and roll or that high post with Nurk. The first couple possessions, and then it devolves kind of as the game goes on. they go, go away from it a little more. It ends up with him getting the ball in the, you know down in the low post or maybe up on the high elbow, and he's just kind of holding it, waiting for everybody to run. you know he, he's not as involved in things as he is, and they go away from him a um, couple games before he had mentioned like, hey, when the three sh- three point shot's not falling, like why are we just going to keep chucking him up like you know maybe get the ball down yeah. into the post you know calling for those so I can understand where like a lot of his frustration is is coming with that stuff and i do agree that there are different ways to use him and utilize him but if he and that's that's kind of how i took it and that's how i hope that he meant it because if he's making it out to be like i can do what Jokic does that's just flat out that's just flat out wrong
1: you know i actually think that he has a ranch i actually think that Nurkic does have a little bit of room to to grow as a facilitator and as a passer um on the other hand, I did say in the 7,000 word long forward piece I wrote for We Like the Blazers at weliketheblazers.com that also has an audio component that you can get from the site or from any podcatcher. I wrote, about a lot of different things, a whole bunch of different things. But one of them was Nurkic because I go, I go through all the players. It's about like the decisions Jody Allen has to make from the players to the coach, to the GM, to Damian Lillard, to even the future of the team and whether Jody Allen may want to move it out of Portland. If she sells the team, check out that piece at we like the blazers.com, but I talked about Nurkic and I'll keep this really brief, but let me know what you think of this to your point about like how much, you know, how much more can he be really? Uh, so, Here's what I wrote. This is from esteemed writer Brandon Goldner. At his peak, Nurkic is the Blazers' second-best player and was capable of numbing the impact of presumptive MVP Nikola Jokic. At worst, he blows easy shots, stumbles, and makes lazy decisions that will take him out of the game literally and figuratively. Had Nurkic not fouled out multiple times, the Blazers may very well have won their first-round series against Denver this year. So here's my question. My question is... If Nurkic can be more of a facilitator, if he can do a little bit more, is it worth trying to find out if he can't stay focused? If something like the coach not challenging a call that they shouldn't challenge, if that will take him all the way out of the game to the point where he then commits four fouls in the quarter, which then helps you know facilitate that Denver run, like... <laughs> Should, is it worth even finding out if the guy can't keep focus? Like that's really the 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 crux of the question there. I don't know. Yes, yes, it is. You think but so? He, yes, yeah. But if I'm he with you.
0: if he thinks yeah, oh, and both if of he you he go think, to hell. No,
1: just kidding. <laughs> no,
0: and so like this kind of ties into to like I mean his with his stupid con- comments about his contract or whatever. And um I actually I texted I shot a text off to a uh, NBA guy that I know and who's. Okay, Mr. Baggy. Well, I guarantee you, I did not text uh, Danny Morang. It was not Danny Mering that I texted <laughs> because I, 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 I do. Oh, I, I like it when
2: a couple people catching yeah, strays out there. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead.
0: But um, but no, texted a guy and, and he was just like, yeah, d- the team's picking up his option. That is literally he was just confused about what what the non guaranteed contract verbiage meant at the time. Like he thought it was literally. Almost kind of like being a restricted free agent.
1: He doesn't have a choice, but he yeah. he does have a choice after next year, right? So, like, I mean, there's. Yeah. And if he thinks he's going to get paid like I, superstar money, he's an idiot. I think that's if what he, he gets, wants. Uh, maybe not superstar money, but I think that he thinks he was underpaid last time and he might have a point like he well, has yeah. a he has a valuable contract it is a good deal
0: but i mean if you for start getting yeah but if i still think it's i mean i'm not making 12 million i'll take his effing salary if he doesn't want it but i mean anything <laughs> more than anything more than 16 million dollars a year for what he provides even though he is so pivotal to the team and i would think that'd be an overpay wait you guys Boy, don't I, make 12 million dollars a year podcasting Damn. No, I. No, I mean, his his, I'm not trying his, to brag, but no. <laughs> I. I said I sold it. I said I sold this podcast for nine million. Sorry. That's right. That's right.
2: You got the old shade deal. I, I. I think the big part of this that's gonna come down on Nurkis that maybe he hasn't realized is the, the narrative out there is very much about him as far as this series and the way it went down. Like you, like we've already pointed out here, not only with how badly he reacted to what shouldn't have been a challenge call in the first place, especially when he admits that he barely hit the guy, but. Um, you know, you pointed out the, the the number of games that he he fouled out the series, and how critical that was for the Blazers. I don't think other teams are out there looking at him as some uh, undervalued player here. If, if anything, I think we, he's probably going to get more money from the Blazers than elsewhere uh, with a future contract because. He does fit well with Dame, the pick-and-roll. He sets great screens, which one of those fouls that he got called for was a total garbage foul. Yeah. Uh, Like, Uh he set a monster screen, I think, on Austin Rivers. And, yeah, that, that shouldn't have been a foul. Again, that kind of thing, though. When that happens and he throws his little kind of pouty face around, the dude... Is I think twenty seven, twenty six or twenty seven yeah. at this point? Oh, I think you're giving him too much credit on that. He's he's too he's too old of a player at this point to be having that kind of reaction. I I do think he's got a lot of value. I'm I'm with Ryan overall on on your question, Brandon. That Nurk is not maybe a one of one, but he's he matches up with the the true bigs in the league better than anyone else we're going to have access to. He is a true center in that sense and a playmaking center uh, which we, which he can get better at like you also were bringing up yeah. and I think that's where his real value is what, what he can do on the kind of uh, playmaking end where kind of getting Dame off ball a little bit but he's not going anywhere else like uh, he's not getting superstar money. He's not going to be going elsewhere and, and having people like just throwing the the um, the paychecks or pay- payroll. One of it was the Helm can, uh, steering wheel, yeah. the helm. Galver. The, <laughs> the, they're the not Galver. Any Galvers Galver, at him. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I just, I think it's a little chicken and egg thing because it, on the you could say if Nurkic felt like his his full set of skills was being utilized, maybe that would keep him more engaged. Maybe I'd keep him more locked in. Maybe that would keep him more disciplined. On the his other cool hand, set of skills will be utilized if he can stay on the court too. I mean, like the well, last that's two the years thing has is not it, been good for him. I'm right.
0: not. I I know his he's had stupid fouls. But I'm not going to try to hold it against the guy too much that the presumable MVP could get him in foul trouble. <laughs> that's not right, where most right. of
1: his fouls were coming from. Like, if you look at the game, like, less than half of his fouls were coming off of Jokic. So, like, that's— I, I you don't need your logic here. Don't no, come yeah. at me with facts. That's right. No, yeah, but that's, that's, a- that's
2: actually a great point, though, because, like, one of the replays that I saw more than any other, I feel like, was the final foul in I don't remember. He fouled out. Uh, was that game five? Then that he fouled game out. Game five, the where he Michael. he was trying to he was trying to like help off on uh, Michael Porter Jr. when he's coming right. in for a dunk. He tries to block a dunk I mean, from the other side of the rim when Porter's going up with two hands. Right, it's the it's not the right move. You got to let him have I, that basket. I
0: heard of, I heard a very interesting take. Uh, on on that and it was from an individual they hadn't watched the entirety of the game and they got a text from their kid that was like hey dad turn on the game if you're not watching it so he turns it on and he turned it on right as they're doing the review of that foul and his opinion as he's seeing it he's like that is a good hard playoff foul like that that is a purposeful that is a purposeful foul that is a good hard playoff foul he had zero clue how many fouls Nurk had. And then as soon as they come back and he finds out that was his final foul, he goes, you don't do that fucking foul <laughs> if, yeah, you you have, if you have five. And he goes – but he just – then he just like is, walks off to the bench with like, a, oh, OK then. He go, and so his thought in watching that, seeing how intentional that foul looked and then seeing Nurk basically go like, good, all right, fine, I'm out of the game. And how he walked to the bench, he goes – it kind of looked to me like he wanted to be out of the game. That he was just like, F it, I'm
2: done." He was frustrated, man. He does, he can't keep his cool, and I think that narrative, as far as what he can and can't handle emotionally on the court, is going to be the biggest factor, maybe kind of holding his value back, and honestly, probably keeping him in Portland. Yeah,
0: I think Dame. I think Dame can keep him in check. You know, or whatnot, uh, but there was just too many other factors going but can on. He? I, I, because
1: we just we just had like a super critical playoff series where the West is more wide open than it has been. Denver is missing two starters. One of them is their second best player. If there's any time that Dame needs to keep someone in check and still like, and this would have been it, right? So I, I guess like I, I know that there's no like easy answer, but my worry is that, you know, it's okay to get upset. I mean, look at Nikola Jokic gets mad. I mean, he complains more than almost everybody, but like <laughs> yeah. he then is able to refocus himself pretty quickly and stay locked into what he's doing. I mean, Nikola Jokic is one of the most patient players I've ever seen he's so incredibly patient right and so well, I think he's moving at top speed for him <laughs> well not, I mean just like I, and that's the kind of thing where to Keith's point earlier I mean Nurkic is now 27 this isn't year 1 with Portland right I mean he's been here for a hot minute like so 26 I fact check that fair enough we got re- we got the
2: research department on it so yeah he's tw- 26 in 287 days so I'm gonna, I'm going to round up to 27 we're pretty that's close That's about 27 <laughs> I don't know anyway we're two thirds of the way there yeah
0: Okay, well, so we mentioned Dame, and so speaking of Dame, Dame seemed absolutely defeated in his post-game press conference after Game 6. You could tell that he knew drastic changes were coming. And then he went and decided to go and blow up the internet and have all of us absolutely freak <laughs> out by, by by posting some Nipsey Hussle lyrics, which I'm not going to lie, I'm not a big oh, music guy. I didn't know guy, that's where you are going with that. I thought you were
2: going somewhere yeah. else. Oh, well, but... <laughs> well, I, I can... I can. The, the, a little bit of insight you, on the lyrics thing too if we if if I can touch on this or are you I'm not trying to Oh think.
0: it's it's in there because I was just going to say like if you look it up like that's not so much about like Right taking a shot at the franchise yes, exactly. or anything like that. It's a lot. I took it a lot more as that, you know, like it's it's the dedication to your preparation. He's going to stay locked in. Also, maybe if you want to maneuver it in any way, shape or form, you could say that maybe he's realizing that his dedication to being loyal to all these guys and all these players and and, and coaches and whatnot, maybe that's the reason changes haven't possibly been made. Like he's maybe realizing that that is kind of a fault. I mean, because he 's been quoted before as saying that he 'd be a horrible gm because if he were up to him, he would have signed absolutely everybody he 's ever played with and never traded a single person <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, but what yeah. what context did you have for that Keith if, if I, was-
2: I, no, I I think i 'm kind of getting the same thing you were as far as the media ran with that first line that he posted where it was uh, um, the, the I mean how long should I stay dedicated? The media ran with that line of it. The next line in the song that Dame also posted on the IG post is how long till opportunity meets preparation. And again, the song is called Dedication. At the point of the song, it's, it's a rhetorical question. How long should I stay dedicated? He's not actually questioning the franchise by referencing the song. He's kind of making the point of how long do you stay dedicated? You stay dedicated until it pays off. So he's, he's basically reaffirming the same thing he's always said. He's stay, it's, it did not read to me as... Like when I went and saw the full thing that he posted and looked at the song that it comes from, it does not read to me as him saying, you know, like this franchise isn't doing enough. How long do I stay dedicated? It's him saying, OK, back to the grind a little bit. Uh, but of course, the media just takes that first line and runs that side of it. And it's the complete opposite impression.
0: Well, do you be- think the Nips- Do you think the Nipsey Hustle estate was was grateful that Dame referenced that? Because I'd be curious to see what the uh, what the uh,
2: playback numbers are on Spotify
1: for that song. Think you had to pay oh, I mean, royalties it, yeah. on that? I and and my take on it's only two
2: bars, not four, so you know it's 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 under the limit or something. Two bar Tuesday.
1: My take on this was uh, even if it would have been the most inflammatory lyric of all time, even if it would have been like the lyrics, like "Yo, I fucking hate the Blazers. I'm getting the fuck out," like (laughs) right, like I wouldn't have cared because Dame has every right to be upset. Literally every right in the whole world. Like so for me, especially that coming immediately after the game. I was just like, if that's how he wants to decompress yeah. and, like, that's completely yeah, if he's, fine. If he's frustrated, I'd, he's allowed to be frustrated. Right. I, and so I think what Dame said a little after that was uh, <laughs> much more impactful. It had way more consequence on the future of the franchise than that. I don't know if, Ryan, that's where you wanted to go next. <laughs> Ryan also looks well, like you're no, doing something. But.
0: Well, no, I just you want to pay attention to this. the
1: podcast, Ryan. Come on, bro. Well, there's kind of breaking news. <laughs> there's kind of breaking news
0: or whatnot. Oh, no. And it's uh, a person close to Damian Lillard told CNBC uh, dot com that he's expected to wait and see what the Blazers do this offseason before deciding his future with the team. That's from Jabari Young. And apparently the prevalent rumor is that Jason Kidd, which we'll get into the stuff with him later, turned down uh, the or took himself out of the running for the coaching job in Portland because it is rumored that Frank Vogel will be fired and Jason Kidd will take over as head coach of the Lakers. So why would Jason or why would Jason Kidd come to the Blazers to coach Damian Lillard when apparently the Lakers are going to poach Damian Lillard away from the Blazers? All sorts of stupidity in this breaking ish news, oh, but wow!
2: That oh man, they're they're making so many jumps there. That's yeah,
0: and also I'm just gonna say, you know, Jabari Young, I respect you and whatnot. You you do good work, but
1: I mean, no. <laughs> so okay, that let, why don't we do this then? Well, I Ryan, you're the one driving the ship. I. My suggestion is that we start with the what Dame said to a reporter, uh, you know, shortly after he released the Nipsey Hussle lyric. Get into what all that means. It'll flow eventually into what you just said. Um, the Chris Haynes stuff. Yep. Wow, ah, I got that two blocks down. OK, because um, in the next section
0: of what's next. <laughs> OK, so Stotts and the team agreed to mutually part ways. Anybody buy the mutually part ways bullshit?
2: Yeah, I don't even buy the uh the 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 farewell letter man. I it's, it just seems like something that was it had some I think typos, some poor sentence structure. I don't think Well, that means he wrote it, it himself. That wasn't a PR <laughs> That's person. Fair. That's a fair point, but it just seems like something that was not kind of rushed through and not really a lot of time put into it and yeah, I, I don't know. I'm am not could, sure where to go from there.
1: I could see it. I could see it being mutual. I could see Terry Stotts is not a dummy. Like I think that you know, he saw Contrary to popular belief, contrary to popular belief, Terry Stotts is a smart dude. And like, I, I, I could, I, I could see him kind of be like, yeah, you know, like, plus he's going to get interest around the league too. So it's not like Terry Stotts stepping down from this job means he's never going to get a coaching job again. Like I,
2: I would I guess, be um, that he's listed as like an Orlando, like top, uh, top prospect for Orlando and, magic at this point and Pacers. Yeah. Yeah. So I that wouldn't
1: so yeah I I don't know like I I do I think it's more likely it came from the team yes would I be super shocked if if part of it was actually terry stott's kind of being like yeah that's all right like i wouldn't be surprised either way to be completely honest yeah but i mean like he it's he was nine years 720 games 402
0: and 318 so 55 or about 56 percent win percentage eight playoff appearances only got out of the first round three times i mean heck with this with this first round loss the blazers have had 26 first round playoff exits in their franchise history and that leads the league by I think four different series or whatnot, you know, he's the second winningest coach in history, but again, it's been nine years. I, it, y- yeah. You can be good, but not everybody is a Popovich or a Spolster to where you get that kind of longevity in any sport and your voice does not become stale across a locker room.
2: Well, so, something else too, you mentioned uh, Popovich and, you know, like, when we see these other coaches that have like the seemingly everlasting tenor, uh, tenure, 10 years as head coach there, you also see them often getting a little bit more kind of control and input into the rest of the franchise to help shape the team, and I don't think we've ever really heard that here. Like It was always Shea making the offseason moves, and then Stott, Stotts doing what he can do on the court with the pieces Olshay has put together. Uh, so I, I can, yeah, nine years, it's nine seasons is a long time for any coach to be anywhere, and honestly, at, there's a certain point in this season, in the press conferences, that uh, Stotts, I think, I think Dwight James was asking him about... Accountability, like uh, how much you hold players accountable, do you give a fiery halftime speech if something like this happens? And Stotz's answer was basically, no. I don't. I don't believe in. Uh, he didn't say I don't believe in accountability. He said he doesn't believe in fiery halftime speeches. But then he said something too about kind of like accountability isn't my job. I mean, it is not how he sees a coach. Uh, spo- how, how a coach is supposed to interact with his players. When that, when those comments came out, I feel like everything after the majority of the. Pressures that you'd see after with Stotts, he was snippy he was kind of you know sarcastic a little bit more kind of defensive or explosive and yeah partly because we weren't doing well in some of those games but i i feel like it was just one of these situations that the writing has been on the wall not just from the team side but i think like you're pointing out that Stotts might have just he spent nine years here he might be ready for something different at this point so maybe somewhere that he can get a little more influence and kind of settle yeah, and like
0: one of the things that, that same NBA guy, MBA guy that I was chatting to about, you know, some of the NERC stuff, I asked him, you know, thoughts on stats and whatnot, and, you know, it, he had basically said that you know Stotts wasn't holding the same level of trust that he once did with the players you know he gave him the freedom to do what he do what they want you know he wasn't like no here's the play we're running and whatnot so there's the freedom on the court but there was just concern in the locker room that he wasn't as dedicated as he needed to be in like addressing the various issues with the team like specifically defense yep. I do find that kind of funny because we've seen such a lack of effort on defense with the team so why are players getting pissed that Stotts isn't I mean, what what's he at that point in time? Then, yeah, should he be yelling and going, "Hey,
2: play harder"? You you've got to ask too on on the defense. If I can just jump back on this, sorry, but I'm not trying to get in your way. But um, <laughs> you've got to ask too as far as the defensive end. We've known this is a problem for Stotts's coaching style for years already. We've had numerous conversations, uh, like on on all the podcasts, probably and on all the Blazers Twitter and the rest that you know, bring in a defensive coach, like who else is available that could come in and kind of uh, be an assistant or associate coach right now. It's not assistants anymore. Uh, an associate coach underneath starts to kind of focus on the defense. The fact that we've never seen that change happen is, I, I, yeah, just at one point, I, you're probably right. The players have got to be like, hey, you know, yeah, we're not, the defense comes down to them on the court, but maybe they are looking for more of a plan and he just never was really putting one out there. Right, yeah, and, Brandon,
0: as the ever first Stotts apologist, go. It's your platform. It's your oh time boy. to shine. Uh, no, no, hold <laughs> on. I just want
2: to say too, Brandon, you're not alone. I am still on the Stotts side here. Like if they had, if, if Blazers had done well in the postseason and they had kept him around, I would have been all for it. I'm not one of these guys that was completely ready to get rid of him. But I also just feel like the writing was on the wall halfway through the season. Well, I completely agree.
1: It's funny because I had very gently tipped toward it's time for a new coach over the last couple of months, and I've I've been pretty vocal about that. But um, traitor. <laughs> but but again it's a balance the the a couple things one is that I said I think a while a couple days ago I said you know if Stotts is fired there is a non-zero chance that the next coach could be worse and I think that Everyone just has to be honest about that. And we saw, I know we're going to get into it, but with other coaching candidates, that that's a real thing. But then one, the other thing is on Stotts's defense, he's coached top 10 defenses before. The problem is that his philosophy hasn't changed with the times. And so this is also from my brilliant piece on We Like the Blazers, oh. talking about Stotts and his drop coverage, right? And The philosophy of drop coverage is that your centers are going to hang back towards the basket more when they're pick and roll happening so when those screens are set the guard is fighting over the screen and contesting threes from behind but then the big is dropping back and protecting the drive what that essentially does is it prevents people from getting threes or driving but it leaves the mid-range open but the problem with that in the modern NBA is that bigs can pass and handle and shoot it doesn't work as much anymore And so what I said in my piece was Stotts stuck to his guns um, oh sorry that's not the part I want to quote uh, This is this makes for great <laughs> Radio. The problem is that in, in today's NBA, many bigs can now shoot and handle the ball by themselves. There aren't too many Greg Kites and Roy Hibberts left in the world. And while Robin Lopez may have anchored a top 10 defense to the Blazers in 2014, the NBA in 2021 looks much different, and you have to adjust accordingly. You have to ask your bigs to defend in space. You have to ask or maybe demand that the entire team keep a map of where their teammates are while defending, moving together, and filling gaps accordingly rather than just focusing on the players in front of you so basically Stotz had a defensive philosophy that would have worked and did work five six seven years ago it doesn't ah. work today and he was just stubborn he didn't want to change he didn't want to bring a defensive you, specialist didn't want to i mean he'd been asked in press conferences hey terry you're gonna change up your defense oh we looked at it we're not gonna do it it's like well dude you right, can't like right. how long you can't i don't know you how, can't do that. how many how many nba teams do you think primarily run drop coverage uh, a ha- a handful still do not many seven seven. That's I was, a handful. Oh, I was, was going mo- mo- to I'm say that Most gonna go with six. most famously, the Bucks and the Sixers. Yeah, that's a well. It, also, look at the look at the defensive yeah, personnel, at the personnel of the Bucks. They have two <laughs> defensive player of the year candidates that, yeah, on their team. The, so, the key the key to drop coverage is having very versatile
0: and you know fleet of foot people, right?
2: Can, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. That, is, oh, sorry, go for it. No, no. Just to tie into Giannis as well, but uh, another key to drop coverage that I think kind of gets passed over: the defending a three from behind, you need length for that. To have some of the shortest guards in the NBA, be you can't ask Dame and CJ behind, to do that. You're not, <laughs> in, in, unless you're seeing a player with horrible form come like up, up over the hair like an Aminu catapult. Yeah, you might be able to blo- block Al Farouk from behind on the regular as a short guard, but most of these guys with any sort of good form, Dame's not getting near that ball. CG's, Norm could, uh, the wings could, but you're not seeing Rocco them and regularly. Yeah, Roko. Yeah, is yeah, a great help defender, uh, but yeah, the, the pick and rolls that Dame and CJ are going to get put through, it's just not as functional with, with those guards with the personnel we have. I think Stotts
1: could have saved his job a couple years ago when he was again being asked about his defensive coverages. It'd be like, you know, yeah, like we're looking at that. Like it's if even if you're asking some players who aren't super mobile to maybe do something they kind of don't want to do like the philosophy of Stotts old offense was playing the math and giving people the mid-range well now you have to play the math and at least pretend to take away some of that space where bigs who have skills can operate you can't just let them do whatever they want there it's just not the way the NBA works anymore yeah. And so, I mean, now we're
0: in this coaching search window. One of the, Kevin Pelton, I think it was, had a, had a great piece. And if it's not Kevin Pelton, then I apologize to whoever actually wrote it. Um, but it was talking about how you need to be careful in making drastic changes. Like, you know, you can't just look at, and he, he used the Blazers as, as an example. You can't just look at it and go, well, we have great offensive people. So obviously the offense isn't the issue. So I'm going to bring in a completely defensive minded coach to fix the defense. That actually has the chance to break things even more you can't you can't swing the pendulum so far the other way just because you have this issue that you want to correct you know you don't want somebody who is i mean you probably want a good balance like a a balance coach and then kind of like give them a directive of you know if you want to pick for your two top assistant or uh, associate head or coaches, you know, somebody who's like a a Stotts was when he was in Dallas and somebody like a Dwayne Casey, when, when he was in Dallas, you know, do that. But on on this coaching search, so it came out first after, I think it was on the thread of when Stotts was let go. uh, Woj dropped the bomb that, uh, and he's (laughs) noted Olshay mouthpiece, Adrian Wojnarowski, just to get that out there. Listed, Jawan Howard, um, who's currently working on building a powerhouse in Michigan. Blazers legend, Uh, Jawan Howard. No. uh, (laughs) Get the full name there, yeah. Sorry, but the (laughs) Michigan powerhouse builder is what I'm going with. Uh, Jeff Van Gundy, who is tied to every coaching vacancy ever since he last coached a game in 2007. I don't think that—why does—he has the world's best agent. To keep his his name in everybody's mouth for every effing coaching job that comes up— his agent
2: is not paid enough. See, I would have said that about a different candidate that I think we're going to get to in a second. But I feel like Mike, there's someone else that gets put in every single coaching conversation that comes up. Mike D'Antoni. Is that the one?
0: Because <laughs> he, the was one was also, he was also on the list. He's intriguing to me because – but, I mean, I, some people say that he'd be a great fit, and I can see that. But that's just – you're going to bitch about the defense. You want us to fall below the Sacramento Kings? You bring in one Mr. Mike D'Antoni. See, that's right?
2: why you want Van Gundy.
0: You know, and then Chauncey Billups was the last one to, to do that. Uh, not listed, I want to say real quick, are uh, for that are David Vanderpool and Becky mm-hmm. Hammond. And I would like everybody to stop asking questions about, is David Vanderpool coming? Why can't the Blazers go and get D- Becky Hammond? Because those damn things aren't happening. If you want anybody to hold Dame accountable or anybody to change the team, you're right. not going to bring in his best friend in David Vanderpool. Uh, Becky Hammond has the world's cushiest gig for her in San Antonio. And she has literally been groomed for the last three years to take over that awesome job when Pop finally decides to step away. There is zero chance she is getting lured away from that. She will succeed Pop.
2: And to be totally fair as well, Becky Hammond, I have a world of respect for. I don't think she'd be a good fit here. The same way that you're talking about Vanderpool not being able to kind of get the, uh, get the player's credibility, I guess, you know if he's Dame's best friend. Becky Hammond, if you want to put her in as a first-time head coach, I don't think this is the kind of situation that she would want to be dropped into where the team is being vastly restructured after kind of some – you know, years where they fell a little short. I, I don't think yeah. that's really the the spot.
0: And so then Dame through uh, through his noted mouthpiece, uh, Chris Haynes, uh, stated that <laughs> that Jason Kidd was his preferred head coach, and that Billups was also high up on the list. Uh, just for because we're going to talk about these names and whatnot. Right before we started recording, is when the news came out that Jason Kidd removed his removed his name from consideration. <laughs> so we're going to talk about this. Yeah, as that was a woohoo from all of us, but. Um, <laughs> You know, and we'll get to Billups a little later. We'll address this in order. Let's start off with with Kid, but Brandon, you wanted to talk about like I think the dichotomy of how you're getting Camp Shea, and Camp Dame, you know,
1: going through their media pieces. Is that what you were referencing earlier? Was it maybe probably? I don't know. I <laughs> I, I think it's I I think it is interesting. Um, And, again, I'm not going to quote it this time because it was too awkward last time. But in the piece that I wrote for We Like the Blazers, I basically – I brought that up, Ryan, where it's like –
2: Quick clarification. I think it might be in the cut that isn't going to make it into the final episode here. But you have early referred to your piece that is both on I Like the Blazers as well as an audiobook form uh, as an opus. And I think when you have both the written piece and the audiobook <laughs> at the same time, which we all are going to be using, I'm going to be reading it as listening as we listen And again, to it, like it gives said. free back rubs. It gives free back rubs. It gives too. free back rubs. Only opuses can do that. So, yeah, we just wanted to clarify. You don't need to quote from it like you said. But, yeah. Great. I'm, standing. Tell us more I'm, for, standing,
0: you. I'm standing by calling it a manifesto.
1: I, I I'm I'm like, like Oh, I like that one. <laughs> I like both um but but in there you know to ryan 's point uh it, it's you have a list that 's coming probably from Neil oShea, you have a list that 's probably coming from Dame Jody Allen has to be careful here because you have a general manager while well, a president of basketball operations, but you have the person who's in charge of hiring a coach that say these are the coaches, then you have your franchise player the best player that's ever played for the team, the person that makes your franchise what it is in any way, shape, or form, at least for the next few years. The, the, it, like You have to be really careful. And if I were Jody Allen, I don't know how I would navigate this because... Maybe there is a longer list of people who Dame would like to see and that list isn't fully public, but if you accept that the names that Dame has shared are the only ones acceptable to him and they are different from what the general manager is saying – That signals that there may be a problem. And it's interesting because, you know, with the general manager, with the general manager, with the organization, (laughs) with the continuity of an organization for which continuity has been such a key these last nine years from Olshay to Stotts to Dame, everyone's been on the same page. People don't appear to be on the same page right now, and I just I like I don't know exactly what's happening, but I think that people should be open to the possibility that this is not. And it's the same thing. You go back and you look at the competing narratives before the playoffs about oh is what's happening this, the coach's fault or oh is what's happening the GM's fault, right? You had that little that, that little tit for tat between the reporting from Jason Quick and the reporting from Chris Haynes, and like. I just think it's very interesting that I think both of those it signals that maybe there's something maybe you know what's the what's the phrase about like not not all is perfect in paradise I don't know there may be something happening who knows I yeah. think I
0: think it's absolutely cute that you think Jody Allen is putting in this much thought and and give a fuckery about <laughs> uh, there is zero it's way that I think it's a business for her but hey you have to be careful about yeah. it. Exactly, and all she cares about, she's noted as being very results-driven and oriented. You know, there was there's cost-cutting moves. I maintain that old, the smartest thing that Olshay has done so far, outside of drafting Damian Lillard, uh, is that he structured his contract to be exactly one year more than Terry Stotts, so that there would so that if Stotts went, he wasn't automatically tied to it. Now, I do believe that this is going to be his most important offseason ever because. If everybody's blamed Stotts, Stotts is no longer there. You bring in a new coach, and if the shit looks the same, I mean, he starts off day one or day zero as, like, the most, like, hot seat GM there is. But I I don't know. I just don't think Jody is thinking about it outside of how things affect the team valuation. Like, I read something But this that, affects the team uh, valuation. Uh, if you look, piss off Dame— like, well, yeah, and apparently Damian Lillard, like when when teams start coming out, and it's you're hearing reports that multiple teams are calling for Dame, which I do love because that means Old Shea doesn't have to call them for CJ. He can just be like, "That's a no <laughs> on Dame." But have you heard of the Have you heard of the CJ feller here?
1: <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they're kind of the same I, height, you know. If you squint, they sort of, you know, they score sometimes the same amount of points, sometimes. Yeah, one runs a few more miles.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But but like Dame, like. Dame's valuation, what he adds to the Blazers as a franchise is worth two hundred and fifty million dollars. Like in, in the total franchise valuation and whatnot. So he's not going anywhere. Um, I don't think she's selling anytime soon she is probably going to hold on until the league enters into its expansion which it's been looking at expanding by two teams that's two billion dollars just to get the opportunity to spend three billion more dollars you know (laughs) that is divvied out to the other 30 teams and she'll probably look to sell after that happens so i mean she's going to want to keep it somewhat status quo and keep the books looking clean ish you know the one benefit is that they avoided the uh luxury tax last year so they're not in danger of being a repeater so they could overspend in the offseason this year but i i don't know and now we now we got into the offseason moves and we completely
1: skipped over some of the dame coaching wait, stuff wait a oh minute well. i need to argue with you and i'm gonna give it to keith i'm arguing oh with no th- then yeah we're moving on no no, no i'm no. gonna <laughs> argue with you i'm gonna argue with you give it to keith who's then gonna back me up and we're both gonna double team your argument but like you said something in there. It's like, oh, Jody Allen doesn't care because Dame's just going to be here. Well, you know what? If, there is a, if there's a power struggle going on and if you piss off Dame, guess what Dame can do? He could say, I want out and say it publicly. And then guess what? He's going to be gone. You might get pennies that on the dollar. Well. You might get pennies on the dollar if it gets to that point. And here's the thing. like, There has never been, in my recollection, an NBA player who has ever publicly said, this is the coach I want. LeBron has never done that, but Dame just did. So I think Jody Allen does have to tread carefully here. I don't think she can just sit back and let you know the basketball people handle the basketball. I think that she has to be careful about how she navigates this for her own business interests. And so, Keith, clearly you agree with every word I said, right? Like. No, just, I I'm I'm totally getting, missed getting.
2: that play call where I was supposed to be backing you up, man. I, yeah, I was on no, a, a totally just, different playbook I'm, I'm for getting. it. <laughs> uh, no, what, what I actually I, can I push back a second on? You mentioned as as far as the uh, Olshay stuff. Well, okay, okay. Restarting that whole statement. Uh, yes, I agree there's a power struggle going on with uh, in here between you know, kind of the, the Dame and Olshay interest or just the idea that the team is not really all on the same page. I don't think Olshay has nearly as strong of a position as maybe is being implied like i yeah I, I i and what i oh that's what else i wanted to push back on you on ryan you said olshay drafted dame he the story that i understand he didn't draft Paul dame Allen, well yeah the the
0: chad buchanan crew had done all their scouting all their that you know it just so happened that you know olshay um was there and nearly hired, <laughs> yeah, he was so. walking
2: into the building but yeah. the
0: yeah, th- he, got it, th- he got his desk key the same time that Dame did, and so we just give him the credit there. He
2: gets credit
1: for like CJ point, though. though, so you can have that.
2: Yeah. yeah, I do like your point though that uh, as far as. Olshay has got to know, if he's not going out the door soon, like, you know, following stats here, which I, I think he should be, uh, he's got to know that he's on the hot seat from day zero, like you said. It's definitely, you know, it's the prove it time. But what we've seen from him year after year is he doesn't take big swings. He takes safe moves. And he also wastes a lot of money on players that don't end up doing very well for us. He's had a lot of bloated contracts to to players that were kind of like minor role players and where he's always kind of touting, oh, we're going to take this player who's kind of on the fringes and, and re, revitalize him here. And it, for a while, it did seem to work. Like Robin Lopez, we brought him up earlier. He was definitely one of these players who came in here kind of on the on the fringes of the league and suddenly he had a real role and he's turned that into more down the road for um, more of a career than he probably would have if he hadn't come to Portland. But Olshay has had a lot of other misses, man. I just, I don't, If there's a power struggle going on between his interests and Dame's interests, I don't think it's much of a struggle. I, I, if that makes sense. I just think the team. I I think Jody would be crazy to back Olshay and anything he's looking for uh, if it's opposed to what what Dame is looking for.
0: I just don't think it's like I don't I don't think it's a side picking. I think whoever you know, if they both want to have her ear, it's going to be whoever comes
2: uh,
0: sells her on the most realistic, financially sound, you know. I can guarantee you this kind of results, kind of thing.
2: Well, the quick the, question think, though did I end up did I end up backing up Brandon after all with that? I think I can't like, came around and kind of backed no. You so. you <laughs> properly fence set.
1: You yeah. straddled that line
2: expertly, like a pro. <laughs> like on that go. chain
1: link fence when like one foot is inside the little hole of the thing and the other foot's on the other side. I so the thing Oof. that's funny about mm. Olshay. I know you got to be got to be careful with that, but the, the chain thing, link. The mm. thing that's wow. <laughs> the thing that's funny about Olshay. I've jumped so many chain link fences in my day. Um, the thing that that's funny about Olshay is like, it, 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 I went back and I looked at this piece from Joe Freeman of the Oregonian and God bless him. It was from 2015. It was just an absolute puff piece. Oh, Neil Olshay. No, 2013. Neil Olshay so great. He's changing the team cultures, upgrading the practice facilities. Oh my God. He loves it here. It's so great. Um, and it talks about how Olshay Is mindful of when the Blazers will have cap space in a couple of years, and so you know, remember what Olshay used to say all the time: "Oh, it doesn't, doesn't, uh, it doesn't uh, move the needle." Remember, like we heard, that trade wouldn't move the needle. Bifurcate. but he would we get <laughs> do we get, quadri- do we get quadri- quadrificate qu- this year um, Septicate. <laughs> but Neil OlShea would use the term move the needle over and over again, why? because he was basically saying i 'm going to wait until the 20, 2016 off season. The blazers didn't get better as quickly as they could have during that time because he was saving money for a summer where he he totally whiffed on everything, and we don't yeah. even have to get into that, but just to say his O'Shea. philosophy. Evan Turner needed that money. He really did. (laughs) Evan Turner, like, you know, calling Andre Iguodala and others saying, I can't believe they gave me this much money. But the, the, the point I'm trying to make here, and I know I'm talking a lot, but the point I'm trying to make is that the most generous reading of Neil Olshay is that he's really good at making smaller deals so that he could turn four quarters into a dollar. Right, they, so we could, he could package up multiple players into something bigger. He's never done that. He's had nine years to do that. He's not going to do it now. Like he loves CJ. Like I, I it's great to see all these. You know, there's know, a rumor out today that, uh, well, if they trade Paul George, maybe CJ. Yeah, that, okay, that's not going to happen because the history proves that that won't happen. Olshay has never done that, and he's not going to. That's my take. Has his has his job ever been on the line as much as it will be
0: this year? Good point and and the I mean, one the one thing too that makes me so nervous about uh this 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 coaching hire, and we'll get into the other popular candidate now that kid is taken himself out well we'll st- pa- we'll pause on the kid thing for why that's a woohoo for a brief second but <laughs> but the but the other thing that worries me what kind of quality coaching candidate are you going to get when Everybody and their uncle knows that in sports, if you fire a gm a g a new g m likes to come in and clean house and yes. get his and get his own people and get his own guys Older so are you, are, are, you yeah. are you getting coaches that are, that are going to not answer your phone calls because they they know that there 's not that much long term possibility if there 's one bad year that all shades out, and they won 't have the job security which i mean i i understand at that point in time that you'd be looking at an ownership that then would be contemplating paying two coaches to not coach
1: but still there's that there's that there's that fear there but then i think that supports then if jody allen is is trying to do the calculus it's like well if it's a coach that Dame likes, then great, right? That problem's kind of solved, where it's like the GM hired the coach, but it was Dame's hire, and Dame's still going to be there if you don't piss him off. Hiring the coach he wants yeah. won't piss him off. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's the thought.
0: Dame will be here even if he gets pissed off. I, You, you want to see somebody try to play that James Harden card for f- the next four years and maintain oh, the reputation? Oh, yes. It ain't Dame, happening.
1: Could do, Dame could push his way out in a you think?
0: Are you kidding uh, me? Because that is going so well for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers right now. Dam- Just so well.
1: Damian Lillard has a quarter of a billion dollar contract with Adidas. He is a marketing wizard. He's a communications professional. Dame is really well connected. Like you don't think Dame could push his way out of Portland. He could do that in he could do that in a day. Not a day. You mean, but like, he, you mean
0: he will expertly navigate that like he did the Jason Kidd nomination and fiasco now?
1: Oh what a transition! Look at you, Mr Professor so when
0: he when he came out with with that through Haynes and giving his backing, I think all of us collectively as a city said, are you effing serious? Could you not read the room anymore and again i I think I said something about it earlier, but he's got strong ties they're both from oakland they're both you know dame went to, to his basketball camps when he was a kid. I literally don't think it was anything more than Dame thinking that it was, you know, Hey, that that's a, that's a legendary point guard from the city I grew up in. He would get me. He'd be good.
2: But the guy you're talking about is an absolute asshole. He's an asshole and he's a domestic abuser. And like it's it, when blazers have had a platform of the NBA has at large has a platform of fighting against this kind of thing. But the blazers specifically have had campaigns, uh, about trying to stop this kind of thing from being so socially normalized and so acceptable. It's yeah. ridiculous that Dame, Dame wasn't thinking is the problem. I think yeah. someone else is doing the thinking for him. Someone in his camp is saying, oh, yeah, bring up the Oakland guy. Uh, it's, it's, it was a dumb thing to say. It was a dumb so, thing to put out
0: there. And with that, I got into a debate earlier with with a friend. And, you know, they, they dropped the line that, you know, you've seen a lot, uh, you know, of, well, yeah, yeah – um, you know, that was 20 years ago. Like how far do you go to cancel and whatnot? And, you know, you don't know that he hasn't made strides to try to be a better person. And I was like, no, no, no. I said, I get that. And, and I do somewhat agree with the, you know, if people have proven that, you know, they're, they're becoming better human beings, like, yes, you shouldn't always hold something against them, but he was in, in, in kid's case, he has done the exact opposite. He has proven as time goes on, that he does not care and he is more of an asshole. I mean, yes, this was 20 years ago. He followed that up by getting two DUIs and then trying to usurp an entire organization out in Milwaukee as a power grab and then got fired because of it and, you know, had to go back down to being an assistant role. Everything since that moment, since he pled guilty to those horrible charges, has proved that he doesn't care and he is not trying
1: to be a better person. Yeah. So in that case... Hell no! Stay the fuck away from the franchise. <laughs> I think that's I think that's a really good point. Um, there's something else too, where I've you know I, I I get that this issue can be a little complicated for people, and, and yes, I also believe in the power of rehabilitation. I think that's important, um, and listening to other people who have. firsthand experience with domestic violence and domestic abuse. And I'm not saying that people who've experienced abuse are are monolithic in their thinking. That's not true. Everybody has different thoughts, right? Everyone approaches us differently. But something that was compelling for me was... When you have a position of power that is so visible and an ambassadorship in some respects, right like a coach is sort of like one of one of the very vocal, visible figureheads, public figures of a team that that seeing that over and over again, being reminded of that 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 the, a person who could commit those kinds of crimes is now visible, vocal, that yeah. that is something that you have to be reminded, be, and there's no way really to escape it because there they are. I think that that is super important for us to to think about in this. I, and I also do, again, like I do think about um, rehabilitation is important, right? And also Jason Kidd, he is free, <laughs> he is employed, he is extremely wealthy, he is famous, he's doing fine. So when we're talking about canceling, not getting a better job that's not canceling like and, and also i mean i'm not gonna i know well, go- everybody
0: everybody calls it cancel culture and i hate that because in my mind and i and i know you guys agree with me so i will say it i again i try to avoid getting political on these things the the cancel culture it's a freaking stupid right wing uh, uh like dog whistle to them Amen. basically it's consequence culture yes exactly yes. what it is yes, consequences for your
1: action um, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and but, oh yeah, go for it. Sorry. No, no.
0: I was going to transition into the next guy because I have oh, a, I, I, one more, one now. more thing on like Jason okay. Kidd and it looks like Keith does
1: too. Keith. Well, and no, I, I was,
2: I was, I was actually just going to, uh, uh, when you, when you finish or whenever i was gonna ask for a quick pause before we move on to the next one because i've been drinking like a gallon of water a day trying to hydrate better and it is not <laughs> going is, well for
0: this is peak behind the curtains folks uh, uh podca-
1: <laughs> podcasters do in fact pee this is staying in but the, the last quick thing oh damn well the last quick thing on jason kidd <laughs> The power of social media, the the reason why Jason Kidd came out and said, I'm taking my name out of consideration, I am absolutely convinced it's because people were extremely vocal about, we don't want this guy. Blazer's Edge had an article. NBC Northwest had an article. And by the way, shame on them. They had an article that detailed Jason Kidd's history of domestic abuse. It got shared hundreds of times, and then they fucking deleted it. That is cowardly. That's cowardly. NBC, you should be ashamed of yourself. That's really disgusting. Well, but so, but the point, my point is that like you had Ian Carmel, you had a, a lot of people saying we we're not going to stand for this. That is the reason why his name was removed. There were phone calls made. Dame maybe even called him, and so Dame didn't have to say, "Oh, never mind." And the Blazers did. But Jason Kidd said it came from him, but I am convinced it was because of the power of people saying we don't want this here. This is not acceptable to us. That is, I, you you—you cannot convince me otherwise. All right.
0: Now that note, we're going to take a quick break. You will hear some uh, cute little sounder that uh, I will force Brandon to put in here right now. And uh, then we will get back and talk about the next slightly controversial coaching
2: decision. Is a cute little sounder when Brandon starts singing? Are you just going like, to kind of kind of cover the, <laughs> the break here like
1: on intermission? We're overdue for a song. All right. I guess I may as well pee too. All right. See you in a second. Here's
0: your silence for your break. Silence. Okay, so, son <laughs> of a bitch. <laughs> we're fine. We're fine.
2: Yeah. I had to get one in there.
0: All right, and so now we're back. I hope that was a cute sounder filled with uh, puppy dogs and rainbows and uh, and the sounds of spring. So now now I'm sending you down a track of you must find the free source of like a refreshing spring sound. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But, is it just uh, maybe, the sound of you urinating, Ryan?
0: Yes. Or maybe you, or I don't, I don't know if anybody's heard, but you recently wrote a manifesto that you can find on We Like the Blazers, and it is also available in podcast form if you want to listen to it. And there is a lovely background track for that. Maybe you can clip some of that
2: and put it in there. I'm it's also a bit of an opus, just saying. I'm
1: glad <laughs> that you guys mentioned that because I've been meaning to mention it all podcasts. I haven't dipped from it like seven different times. <laughs>
0: yeah, we just wanted, we just wanted to make sure you got your, your time to shine on that one. You Thank put you, put in a lot gosh. of hard work. We. We we jab at you, but it it really was a good piece. I do recommend people go read it. I appreciate it. So the the next one down the list, I'm going to admit right off the bat, I'm I'm just going to say this. I am kind of nervous about talking about this because I have a take on this that does not necessarily align with most people's. I understand that this is a sensitive topic just as it was with the Jason Kidd thing. But Chauncey Billups, he also has a bit of a checkered past. Back in 1997, he, he he came under some sexual assault allegations. Um, charges were never filed and he ended up settling out of, uh, out of court with, the with the victim. Now that my thing with this, and I'm, I'm just going to, I'll tell you guys right now, I'm just going to say my piece on this and then you can tell me that I'm wrong. And I will apologize if I offend anybody with, with how I feel about this, but his thing is, again, it was 1997. It's his rookie year. Um, 21 years old. He went on then through the rest of his career. Uh, to be, reckon- let me see, I just had it right here, to be, re- or to be uh, a five-time NBA All-Star voted, all-NBA second team, uh, two-times NBA third team, two-times NBA d- uh, defensive player second team. Uh, he got the J. Walter Kennedy Citizenship Award, NBA Sportsmanship Award, NBA Teammate of the Year Award. He's got his jersey retired by the pin- Pistons, um, retur- or jersey retired by the uh, Colorado Buffaloes from his college, McDutner, you know, all these things. So, like, when we talk about Jason Kidd before, for not showing any sort of level of of redemption or or correction and just kind of still maintaining to be an asshole. I'm not excusing Billups' behavior in any way shape or form regardless of um you know if there were charges brought or not or the optics of him settle or of admitting guilt via settling out of court or anything like that. But he with his does appear to have tried to make himself a better person. And on top of it, too, I mean, he's he's married. He has three daughters. I'm going to say because of that, that he probably has a much different respect for women now as a 44-year-old grown adult than he did as an idiotic 21-year-old. Um and it's the other thing too is that you know there are other athletes today in our society that are held up to very high standards, are very highly regarded, are very well looked at, have awards named after them, and and, and whatnot that have had similar things where even charges were brought against them, you know, and and we don't question it now. And and kind of my thing with Billups, and and I will say this: like there is there is parts of my life and in, in my own life, people I know where I have seen. Um, um, uh, sexual abuse, sexual assault, and how that how that has an effect on people. So if if you're listening to this and you are a victim of that, I want you to know that I I do understand that, and I have talked to people in my life who have dealt with that. I and and again, it even back at a super young age, I've dealt with that to some degree. So I I completely understand the mentality behind it. I'm not trying to diminish any of any of what you've gone through and how the like how you as a fan of the team how this could affect you and how that would change your rooting interest. But I. I just I think that looking at Jason lumping the Jason Kidd stuff and Chauncey Billups stuff into the same same bubble is is the wrong idea, and I would not personally hold it against the organization for giving Billups a chance just because of that past. Yeah. floor's open. Floor's open to you guys with this one.
1: I think that's that was a um, really thoughtful and an honest take, and I appreciate that. <clears throat> and I think I'm that, offended. No, I'm just kidding. No, I mean, in like <laughs> it, I think this stuff. I that, quit. The biggest thing <laughs> the biggest thing Ryan that I get and you can tell me if I'm not interpreting this the right way but from what when, when I'm hearing you talk about it is that this stuff is is complicated it's it's morally complicated um, yes. and, and, and and the 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 facts of any given case are also really complicated so for me personally this is very similar to the stuff with Jason Kidd in that you have uh Events that have happened, um, it, it's different in some respects. In that, with Jason Kidd, it was something he was convicted of. With with Chauncey Billups, it was something where it was settled out of court. Um, but the facts of the Chauncey Billups case, case are, are pretty um, concerning. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's a good uh, a, a, a tweet from Eric Griffith if, if you follow him at Eric G underscore NBA, where he references the the book Out of Bounds by Jeff Benedict. He did some reporting. Um, it includes some. of of the medical examinations of the victim and then some of the accounts of both the victim and and the people that she had accused, including Billups. Um, And Billups had admitted that he had what he called consensual sexual contact with this woman. Um, And so what I'm trying to get at is that if you have something that happened, I, I understand that it is very, very complicated. And for everybody, it's going to hit them differently. Like your life experiences, um, it's going to affect you differently, right? And for me, there are also really complicated questions about like you're saying Ryan with redemption um, people being rehabilitated and so I completely understand that so while you and I may uh, land on a different side of whether we personally would be more or less okay with seeing one of these people be a Blazers coach I think that we could agree that we are both trying to be as thoughtful about it and, and trying to be as open minded about it um, trying to center the victims in this I think is, is absolutely critical and that it is complicated, right? And and the last thing I'll say, and I know I've been babbling, is that I am not an expert in these kinds of things. Um, there are a lot of things that I don't know a lot about. I learn new uh, things about all sorts of stuff every day. And there will be times when I talk about stuff that maybe I stumble or I trip or I, or I fuck up my words, I get something wrong. Um, and I'm just going to accept that because I'm just trying to learn and be better. Um, so it's the same thing with this. I'm just trying to learn and be better. And I get that it's complicated. So that's that's my take. It's not particularly eloquent, but um, that's kind of where I land on this. I don't know, Keith, um, what I, I, your I think are? you guys
2: are... I think you're both extremely eloquent is what I think. Uh no, it's it's obviously an awkward issue and I, I struggle at times in life, especially with you know issues of, of principle and moral, to not uh look at it as binary, as strictly kind of a, like black and white. There's the you know, correct and like right and wrong. Uh at the same time I, I I don't know as many of the details uh, on the Billups uh, background as I do about Jason Kidd just because I you know have looked more into this and, and some of it has happened more recently where you know you kind of there have been many articles written, written about the long string of in, incidents in Kidd's life well yes um,
0: right right I mean the, the I think the last big in depth one was right after he got hired on as a Lakers assistant yeah. they're like I mean yeah. is this something we should be doing
1: because right. look at this I didn't know about uh, the billups stuff until literally the other day I had never heard of it before which I, I right. think is
2: because it's far, it's further back in the past as well, and, and it was an isolated incident. It's not the same as the stuff with Kid. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's hard uh, not to look at things binary. Like when you hear about one of these cases, and you know, like have that have that uh, affect how we we feel about them. But I do think, as far as what we've brought up with uh, allowing for redemption, allowing for people to grow and learn over their lives, there are certainly differences. And even if the biggest difference is, like we've just said, a isolated incident from the sound of it with, with billups versus a string of incidents and kind of, you know, a pattern in history as you see with kid. Right. My, I,
0: I have like my question that I, I really, I haven't done it. I, cause I, I, Twitter is the worst possible place to try to engage in debates with anybody. Oh, everyone is have so thoughtful
1: no- and kind and patient. I mean, I
0: can direct you no farther than uh, Goldner had a gem of a thread going yesterday. <laughs> but, uh, that, Wait, which one that, was that? That's the one where I chimed in on the Blazer Tag Twitter account and said it's all Ted Wheeler's fault. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to find some unifying force there. So, But, uh, but the, the one thing, and I'm not going to ask it online, but it, it's something that I kind of asked people to debate, um, mentally when they're, when they're thinking about this is, um, you know, how do you feel about Kobe? Cause I mean, yeah. if you want to talk about somebody that has a very similar circumstance and is now held in very high regard and, 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 you know, uh, there's Ben Roethlisberger and, and, you know, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, there's, 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 like I said, there's athletes in all these sports, but you know, if you want to talk about the, the best basketball, um, example of that is is the Kobe Bryant situation
1: and I, I I personally like I I don't care for Kobe Bryant didn't care for him and like I understand like I don't I'm not I'll admit maybe I'm a coward I'm not as vocal about it now because he has passed in a tragic way right and like so I'll admit I I don't like it before he passed I was much more vocal about it because like I, it's the same circumstance you had something that happened you had the witnesses or the victims account something settled out of court i think if we're serious about actual charges actual filed charges filed, i think if we're serious about believing victims that we have to believe victims even if it's a sports star that's accused and and that his well, you know his mid-career changing you know oh now i'm the black mamba like that was all a fucking pr stunt in order to right. get people to forget about those charges and and, and, so, yeah. and brandon so, the, real real quick kate brandon you mentioned.
0: Mention something, uh, because, you know, obviously, you know, my wife is a woman and would understand certain perspectives of this kind of conversation yes. differently than Your wife I as a woman than I as a male I mean I, I don't know if anybody didn't want to assume her gender so I'm just letting that be known <laughs> no, that's, that's pretty, right totally no 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 <laughs> you're, I'm making
2: silly jokes you're totally good I'm just, you're right <laughs> but
0: yeah uh, but she understands the nuances of such things like this better than me as 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 a guy would and 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 one of the important points that she said that you just touch on Brandon is there 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 is you should not just shove away the um the accusations of, of an accuser. You shouldn't, there shouldn't be an a, assi- even if there's not a conviction, right?
1: Yes. That's the, yeah,
0: yes, yeah. you should. And there should be no silencing of, of that kind of stuff. And all those things do need to be taken seriously way more in society and, you know, law than, than we see. But anyway, sorry, go ahead, Keith.
2: No, you're fine. I just wanted to kind of tack on to what Brandon was saying about, uh, about the, the Kobe example. Um, that in the same sense like we again we we brought up the idea of redemption uh or like the opportunity of redemption i there's no secret that i'm not a kobe fan uh, as i think a lot of that was just the affiliation of the jersey and the rest but also on this kind of knowing the background of what he what he did back then and then the the rebranding like you mentioned changing the jersey number and all this it's it was just not the kind of ...personality or hero that I was going to be interested in. That is separate from, like we mentioned, when when someone is posthumously appreciated for the accomplishments they had on the court. That is a very separate thing. But Kobe, after those incidents that we are, again, like wanting to hold him accountable for, as you should hold someone accountable for when they've done this, whether they rebrand or not... He also went on, kind of like what we were saying with Billups, as far as he went on to have a life and career where he has been one of the biggest proponents of the WNBA. He's a huge supporter of uh, a lot of women's issues. He was a huge supporter of a lot of women's issues when he was alive. He has uh, a beautiful wife and and daughters that he put – Like it's highly known that he put them at the center of his world. He was very much a – A girl dad. That's... A girl dad, yes, thank you, uh, but yeah. So it's I, I think he is a good example for both. On one hand, how you shouldn't just you know dismiss this stuff. You need to be able to. It needs to be part of his legacy that he did these bad things, but it also should be part of the legacy that you can grow past those things uh, and can grow past horrible, gross, disgusting mistakes that you made when you were younger.
1: Yeah, I, and I I think that's that is fair, right? Like I am not. the kind of person who thinks that our criminal justice system should just lock people away and throw away the key. I do not believe that. Um, And, you know, I think it's important to think about that. And there's one more dynamic I wanted to bring up, too, because, Ryan, you mentioned, you know, that your wife's perspective as a woman is important and might be different from ours because we are all men. The other part of this, too, it's not just gender dynamics. It's also race dynamics. And I want to acknowledge that we three here are three white dudes talking about this. And there was a comment on Blazer's Edge from the piece that Dave Deckard wrote about why he couldn't support the candidacy of either Jason Kidd or Chauncey Billups. There was a comment in there and i want to read just a small part of it and i know i'm doing a lot of reading and i apologize but it's a small part well at least you ventured away from your own piece now
2: yeah yeah, Yeah, now i'm sharing other people's work this is not an opus quote to be clear this is not not an opus Opus quote
1: this is from a user on blazer's edge and i'll I'll withhold the name because their username i believe is their actual first and last name and i didn't get their permission so i'm just gonna leave that part out but what they said was um you know in their view, what if, what? here's what he says. What if, if these men, and by these men, he means Jason Kidd and Chauncey Billups. What if these were white men? Would the outrage be the same or would fans be more open to forgiving and offering a second chance? And the, the person continues, I hate bringing up race here, but given this is Portland, it certainly matters. Would there be petitions being created to keep them out of Portland if they were white? Would there be articles like this being written if they were white? My answer, this person's answer was no, um, and and my my response to that is I think it's really important for us to reflect on that. Right, there is a history of over prosecution of Black people, but particularly Black men. That's it's generations long. It's systemic. It echoes today, and particularly in cities like Portland. And so I don't have a, an, a notoriously white city, notoriously white city, notoriously historically racist city for a lot of different reasons, and and so I'm not saying that either that any of us have an answer to this um i think it's 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 an important question though to bring up and i think it's an important thing to reflect on so my hope is unless either of you two want to add some more but at a minimum i'm hoping that people who listen to this think about that question and reflect on it i think that's important and so i just wanted to say i appreciate that person bringing that perspective into this conversation because it's a it's a really important one
2: yeah no it's it's an absolutely big question for sure And, and it's you know definitely uh you know, something for a whole other podcast where we yeah. uh, it's 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 not just I like blazes it's I like social issues diving deep into things and that we might not be qualified to talk about
1: and here's the, <laughs> one, one, one last thing too and I said this before I'm okay with talking about stuff where I don't feel like I'm an expert that's right. okay like if somebody wants to hammer me because I said a wrong word or I said something stupid because I was in good faith trying to figure something out then hammer me for that because I'm going to continue trying to figure it out and it's not going to be perfect there are lots of things where where I mess up and I stumble. Um, and this is one of them. And like, it yeah. could be something as complicated as issues like this, or it could be something as simple as basketball, where again, like it, it, like I, it, not to, I know this is kind of a hard pivot, but just along the lines of trying to test stuff out and work through things, I, when I was writing this big opus on we like the Blazers, I was trying manifesto. I was manifesto. trying to opus is winning. Opus is winning. I was struggling through what restricted free agency meant, and I, at first I was like, you know what, this is too complicated. You the, and Yusuf Nurkic, the quali- yeah, the qualifying offer, and then if it's one year, if it's two years, or 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 the cap hold, and I just about gave up, but I didn't give up. I I put a question out to twitter i asked people for their help i said could you help me through this and i think that that's really important right like if there's something that you're curious about it's okay to ask for help it's okay to struggle through it whether it's something big or small i think that's an important thing to do so that's that's where i kind of wanted to land that well
0: well we'll we'll be right way fewer times than we'll be wrong and exactly and but we will at least own up being wrong last little bit on this coaching thing you know it's important to remember too that i mean the blazers aren't probably just going to jump in it's not you know if they do have this list and they've known stats is going to be out the door for a while i expect i I expect it twice so Olshay's Santa Claus now? Wow, you just ruined <laughs> Christmas for all the. Oh, that, he would be that
1: the worst Santa Claus in the uh, world. It'd be so bad. What are you talking about? He just hand out bags of cash to everybody. He'd be so. He's the best Santa Claus. He'd be so unempathetic and cold and slimy. I just look. Ah, you just gotta buy. Bif- you gotta bifurcate the two personalities of that. <laughs> He just doesn't move the needle of Santa Claus for me. Yeah,
0: but there's going to be a lot of time to speculate on it. You know, I I imagine that it probably won't be until the, you know, uh, you get to like the NBA finals that we end up hearing some news because who knows there could be coaches that other coaches that are still coaching games that if their series goes south, you know, like out in Milwaukee, you know, that maybe that that's a guy that's candidate that jumps the top of the list. The other thing I always love when these lists come out because it's always, you know, up and coming um, assistant coaches like. Chauncey Billups or whatnot are established names in the game yet anybody remember Brad Stevens name being talked about for the Celtics gig when he got hired there no that was an out of left field hire and looked I mean I know that it didn't get them rings but it worked out pretty well for Boston
1: Eric bolstra like I mean he was a young coach and somebody who LeBron tried to get pushed out and Pat Riley didn't allow it and now eric spolstra is considered one of the greatest coaches yeah. in the nba
0: by the way another name that keeps coming up sorry it's not effing happening add him to the list with the vanderpools and and the becky hammonds What's it, eric, spolstra? Spolstra. Yeah. eric spolstra that is that is not effing happening he's probably gonna he's from I, portland there's a picture of him with jack ramsey when he was a shoot, kid shoot me now fine sign kevin love to a max deal too because he's from portland just effing do it no just, he's oh, from lake oswego totally different i uh, as a vancouverite i lump you all in as the same oh my god
1: <laughs> it's actually anyway. it's really funny people love vancouver into portland too That's it's like are we gonna cross state borders here really like come on
0: yeah well
1: all right so we're gonna wrap this up with this i uh i actually
0: went out and facilitated questions because i figured you know people in Blazerland want to want to talk some things out so uh we got a few here some of them we've touched on and things we've already referenced so I'll, I'll reference them back to that point uh first one that came in is from chris mckee at chris mckee tv which by the way kudos to us for getting an albuquerque news anchor that follows good job chris, I'm, chris I,
1: mckee is my buddy from middle from middle school so okay I, yeah and he he's yeah there he, goes all the clout i just tried to build <laughs> I love For M- our Cr- big Albuquerque following. By the way, I just I, a, a quick heartfelt thing. Chris is one of my one of my favorite people. Like middle school was tough for me, and he was one of the people who like genuinely made it better. So, Chris, shout out to you. Okay, so he'd say, or he asked, uh, I'd like to hear y'all's take on
0: Dame being the decider, so to speak, for the team slash roster future. Should we be concerned, or should we say he has proved himself on the court? Let him have more say in front office decisions. After all his years of dedication and beast modeing, I'm gonna say this. I don't want Dame to be the next LeBron, but I want Dame to obviously agree that whoever they bring in is somebody that he thinks can maximize his skills. After that, I don't think you should be a petulant child and be like, it wasn't kid. It wasn't Billups. Get me the hell out of here. Like I'm taking my ball and going home literally in yeah. this case in
1: basketball. But so I wish I could agree with you because I would love if that is the way it worked. But I also recognize that Damian Lillard, he's more important to this team than any one person. And he's more important to this team than the Blazers could ever hope any player could be. I mean, he's a legitimate borderline MVP candidate. He's a perennial All-Star, perennial All-NBA player, possibly top five, at least top 10 player. And those players just don't come along very often, if ever. There, and there so, is... There, real quick, there is a key, though, because you referenced
0: that Dame was great in the media and a great media personality and great at brand building. He's going to avoid doing things that make him look like the petulant child I just referenced.
1: Which is why him coming out to Chris Haynes and stating his coaching preference, the more I think about it, the weirder it becomes in my mind. I, I, I don't. It's very undame-like, and I don't, I, I, I don't begrudge him that. I just thought that that would be something he'd say privately. That's. All. I, th- I
0: think just like what Keith had mentioned earlier, like I mentioned earlier, I think it was no far than he was just thinking about how cool
1: would it be that two boys from Oakland could, could come he, together and get Portland a ring. Ignore the name, though. Just like the fact that he said a name and said, this is my guy. I think that surprised me. It did. Yeah. Keith? Keith, you are on mute. You've been on mute. You're
2: still on mute. Oh. There we I turned go. The mic Hi. off. When I was pouring water earlier. Hi. Hi so Keith. none of those beautiful laughs, none of those jokes, none of that guy. See, I was just I had gold over here the whole time. Was I put it in the chat and pod. I don't think you you must not have seen. It. I said Keith you're muted. So Oh, hey, there's a thing on the chat. <laughs> Bruh! Okay, so that was two minutes ago. So, so you only you guys missed a little bit of the gold. But, man, I've just good, been, yeah. I've been pouring out the takes over here. And well, it's, just,
0: it's, just, it's all right. Me and Brandon are long-winded. Like We're long-winded. We filled that two minutes with a lot. <laughs> we can talk.
2: Uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I want to say first, I, I don't think the good news is I don't think Dame wants to be the next LeBron as far as the team-building aspect. I don't think that he's coming in wanting to kind of pull all the strings. On the other hand, you know if if, if we're gonna, he, I think as far as the what you mentioned, Brandon, with him putting out kind of, hey, what about this coaching hire? Like we said, with him kind of uh, post game after game six, he's frustrated. He's gonna you know put out some Nipsey hustle quotes that get misinterpreted by the media when they only use the first half of it. He's gonna say some things, but what about this kind of coach? This dude from Oakland? Here's and nice, it will be a fun story. But I think those are what were
1: those? They're, what, what's that? They're, I think those are two. Super duper different things, and I think, oh. I, 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 just, think, I, think Day, I think I think I think Dave knows that. I think he understands that. You're wrong. Yeah, I agree I, with Keith.
2: <laughs> I just I think he's just putting this out there because he's trying something new. He's he's a little pissed off about the way things went. So he's you know yeah putting seeing what he can what kind of uh, fingers he can stretch out. But overall, well, I, 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 you you look at the. The money that Olshay – we mentioned earlier that Olshay has offered contracts to like – he's offered big money to CJ McCollum, which worked out. But Moe Harkless, Myers-Leonard, Alan Crabb, Evan Turner, Chandler Parsons almost got a contract with the Blazers oh and it would have been a big one. That would have been I don't been the trust arrow. his – I don't trust Olshay's GM decisions, like the history of that. Any less than I should trust Dame to be able to say, "Here's what we need on this team." When I've been on the floor and can see what we're missing. Speaking of Chandler Parsons, the best CJ quote ever.
1: Better than I'm trying. Jennifer was when Chandler Parsons said something about enjoy the lottery. <laughs> yes. And CJ said, "We hit the lottery by not signing you." Not signing you. That was a great. Break. Oh my gosh! I so I, I'm think I I my head is spinning, guys. Like because this thing, Damian Lillard. He he says this is my guy. And now Jason Kidd's taken out of the running. Maybe it was because of the response from Twitter, which I think that's why it was. Maybe it's something else. But how is this making Dame feel that he, again, is the first player that I ever remember saying, This is the coach I want? Again, even LeBron James, for as much as he has tampered, has never done that. And Dame did that and it didn't work? Question I mark. Think it, like, I don't think I it's don't, the first time, but
0: I, I, I would, have to, sp- like I would have to. It feels like the first time. Spend a it
1: feels like the very first time. Okay, Feels so not the f- but like no, really, like I, I think like I'm just getting the more I think about this, the more anxious I'm getting that that something's something's weird, something's going on. I don't know. Maybe I'm right. just
0: overreacting. Well, on in, in that note, uh, Xander Brown at uh, Mr. Underscore Z Brown. And I, I, I kind of touched on this earlier, but he said, I don't have any hope. You can change the crew, but as long as the captain is the same. Hey, boat reference, Wait, in, the oh, wow. boat reference the in the question. Grab the Galver. It doesn't matter who has the,
1: the boat steering wheel. <laughs> yeah.
0: The ge- but it, grab uh, the
2: Galver, mate. Yeah. As, <laughs> okay, lo- <so. laughs>
1: as, as
0: long as the captain is the same, the ship runs the same. Olshe has long worn out his welcome, and if he hasn't gone, I expect the trade to be become mediocre and minimal yes. and, and and non-altering yes. first round and out again now this is where and and i i actually answered him a, uh, i actually answered him a little bit in this and um i i mentioned it and i'll just kind of read my tweet but i was like the difference this year is that with Stots gone all is automatically on the hot seat from day zero this may be the most motivated he has ever been to prove that he is the genius he has been trying to convince us he is
2: Motivation is one factor, but his track record. Look, we're talking about Jason Kidd's track record being different from the one incident with Billups. Olshay's track record is the same way. He doesn't make good moves. He overpays for mediocre players. Exactly what Xander is saying. Mediocre trades, minimal, non-altering, nothing that's going to swing for the fences. It, 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 or, uh, uh, swing the needle. Is that what the line was that he always went to before? Move the needle. B- R- R- move by the, the needle. way, real
0: quick, right, b- right between unprecedented times and uh, the new normal, I would like to add swing the... swing to, or uh, He hasn't swung for the fences. Uh, to the lexicon and pyramid of <laughs> phrases, I never want to hear it again in my life i it's so overused
2: they're all over i'm gonna use it like five more times today then all right we'll finish your rant (laughs) so yeah i'm gonna swing for the fences with this rant and just try and talk about how xander just has done such an amazing job talking about how neil olshade does not swing for the fences or needles or anything he bifurcates all of his decisions and i'm i'm completely with this it just so you guys in case you didn't realize it yet xander brown is my burner account you know it's a no is it really no, it's not at all. I, I don't want to. Admit. What if Xander is a unique individual, but I agree with him one hundred percent. What if it was Olshay's burner account, and he's just trying to get himself fired? Ooh.
1: <laughs> I want to mention too that he followed up to your response, Ryan Xander did. He said that I'm prepared to be wildly underwhelmed, and I see Olshay staying as the largest reason the team can't be built, and how Dame leaves. That is Bravo. the best. That is Bravo, the best sir. way to think about it. If Blazer fans stop being so optimistic and hopeful.
2: If you are so unprepared, you
0: you can only be let down if you have wild and and wild optimism and and happiness plan for plan for underwhelming and hope to and, and hope to be surprised.
2: Yeah. Hashtag the wisdom of Xander. Prepare to be wildly underwhelmed. I think we could get this could get legs on it. We could get this going. There could be a whole new podcast about that. with The wisdom of Xander. I, I can, we like use, a, can we use Can
0: we use that way. as the byline of the podcast? Prepare to be wildly <laughs> underwhelmed.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, we definitely could. Want me to add that? that? All right. <laughs> uh,
0: so next on the list, um, uh, Brianna put this in about Kid, where uh, she was she was just. I think we're on the cups of the organization blowing up if Kid gets hired or he doesn't. If if uh, if he gets hired. The fans rightfully aren't going to stand for it and, and boycott. And, you know, actually I, in Portland, I believe that they would, you know, actually put their money where their mouth is and not renew season tickets. But if he doesn't get hired, maybe Dame doesn't stand for it. Uh, it's not a good place to be. Literally two and a half minutes
1: later after she posted that, Cade Witcher his named from ruler running Brandon. But see, this goes back to my my point, my my paranoia, right, of like if there if there's something going on behind the scenes, if there is a power struggle, then Does this make dame feel a certain way maybe i don't know like possibly hopefully not but like if dame feels like wow like it, the one person i went on the record i'm the first player to ever do this i go on the record and like and i and it, it, it he wasn't even part of the coaching search right like that must make you feel something i don't know maybe not like i, I just it's it's i don't know I just keep your eyes peeled that's all It's just a weird hill that you're dying on with this to me that's all it is <laughs> all there's, no, it there's is. no hill there's no Grant Hill. It's more like a Penny Hardaway. No, I don't know where I'm going with that. But like, I, but I don't
2: know. Dude, that was a fail. Total yeah, I just, fail. I, just, for I, that. <laughs> I I just, I, I really think that I'm. I'm really hoping that Dame is not attaching himself too much to this thing. I, I, kind of like what I was saying earlier. I'm hoping that the kid nomination comes from the same place as his Nipsey Hustle quote the other night, where he's frustrated. He's trying to put this stuff out there. Uh, about like you know like how how much can i influence what can i change here we haven't seen enough change here so what else do i need to do kind of thing but yeah just don't get too i i really hope dame is not too attached to the kid thing it's maybe it's yeah. right maybe
1: he did it on purpose so that when he announces that he wants to be a player coach it all goes down so much smoother <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, and, and also in this regard, you know, uh, Chris Haynes
0: came out again, and, and he did, I think it was on NBA on TNT pregame before uh, the Bucks, uh, uh nets game yesterday, and they were asking them about, or th- he got asked about the coaching stuff, and, and he just legit said, like, the, uh, the, the front office will have the ultimate say in the final decision. You know, there's been many pieces that have been written over the years about the relationship that, you know, Dame and O'Shea has, and what kind of input Dame has had before Dame has said. As far as you know, trades and whatnot, he doesn't want to be the one with the final say because he always just looks at it as like this. I understand this is this is sports, but this is also people's lives. These are families getting you know up and moved and whatnot. Um, but it's I guarantee there will be input. I guarantee it. But if if you're worried about Dame being heavy-handed, it's I don't know. And he doesn't strike I mean, and he doesn't strike me as the type to just again take his ball and go home.
2: Let me kind of throw this out because we've just been you know, rolling this over the whole time anyway. I think the biggest thing that Blazers could do right now to make Dame happy, to secure him, would be to fire Olshay. Because you've mentioned before that if Olshay is kept here, it's going to slow down the coaching search because any coach coming in is going to know that they're after the first year, if Olshay is let go at that point, then they're probably out the door as well. Coaches aren't going to want to come in with Olshay here. Again, his track record doesn't speak – he's not some amazing GM that has had such an amazing history of drafting or signing other uh, other players or making trades that he needs to be looked at as some sort of like core piece. And so, yeah, if, if there is any sort of friction, like it sounds like there is, like we've been saying, between what Dame wants and what Olshay is kind of pushing out there through their – each media mouthpiece – get rid of O'Shea it speeds the whole thing up what I will
0: say about this year that's at least a benefit because it's how he's kind of kicked the can down the road every freaking year is anytime after the season if he's asked about free agents or asked about uh, uh, changing things with the roster he always says hey well we're focusing on the draft we're scouting for the draft hey guess what you don't have a draft pick you're not scouting for anything there (laughs) Paul Paul (laughs) Allen Paul Allen's not here so you're probably not going to buy a draft pick this year you have after you have two jobs you have head coach and change the roster literally two of the most important things in basketball is the leader of your team and the team that he's leading well guess what you get to focus all your energy
2: on doing those two things so and the lack are, of a draft pick is all the more reason that the blazers could get by this summer without that much of a need for a gm at the start like we could search for new gm you want
0: a gm by committee again coach but, like, I'm, I'm i mean last time we did it we drafted dame and good things happened so that's yeah,
2: yeah. It, it, it's maybe the best way the franchise, the best thing the franchise has done in the past as far as a small sample size. But yeah, just the idea that if he's, if he's around here, it slows everything else down as far as the progress forward. If you move him out, we're not going to be missing out on the draft. We're not going to miss down some sort of amazing scouting that he's not going to do because we don't have a pick. So now's yeah. the time.
1: One, one more quick, one oh. more quick thing. And then we can move on. Sorry, but the, uh, that, Blazers Edge did a poll with thirty five hundred people. Yeah, thirty five hundred people responded to this poll, and they asked, should you know, two questions that I want to point out. And then we'll, we'll can it. I don't know why I'm having so trouble with this. The first question was, "Do you think that ah, you can't with, talk now?" Too now I can't talk. The first question was, "Do you think that parting ways with stots was the right move?" Ninety-one percent said yes. That's thirty five hundred people. Ninety-one percent. Said yes, but then they asked, "Should the Blazers also part ways with Neil Olshay?" Three quarters of people, seventy-seven percent, said yes. So the fans want it. Dame probably wants it. Make it happen, Jody Allen. Who, and, and this fair, was a blazers
0: edge poll not a yougov gov or or a, a five no not an ipsos
1: not a reuters yeah, not an yeah. abc nate, news <laughs>
0: nate silver did not have his hands in this at all no so. there's no it way was, was it was a this. blazers
2: edge poll but i, w- I have to admit that 3400 of those 3500 votes were my burner account so it's kind of biased, a <laughs> little bit.
1: Just, just clicking the button yeah
0: <laughs> all right so la- last question here and then and then we'll wrap it up anybody who's hung out this entire well let's i my countdown's off anybody who's hung out with us this long god bless you uh,
2: <laughs> thank you i we had a lot that. to talk it, you about, know, it's man. Been a, it's been a, yeah. real, it's been a real, uh, real pain to hang out with you guys this long, man. I, thank you for at least acknowledging my, my struggles, Right?
0: We've, we've had to stare at your face this whole time, so we get it.
2: So, <laughs> But our, I muted myself, so at least I gave you some respite from the – from the. <laughs> we had a rest. sweet, sweet two-minute break. But,
0: <laughs> so it, it was what did the Blazers do with Nurk in the long term? He said that he's not happy with the current situation. He has one year left, and the team does not have much cap room for a long-term deal. Um, these are all true. We touched on his situation a lot earlier. What the team does is exactly what they've—it's—they're going to do. They're going to pick up his option. Uh, they are going to keep him. Nurk is going to be on the team next year. The only way that I can see him going is if, for some reason, the team is demanding him in a in a major offseason trade kind of thing. You know, pa- if it's a package to get like, like say this, and not that this is going to happen. I don't even think it would work in the trade machine, which the trade machine is stupid, anyways. But you know, say that there was a You're stupid. A, If the buck, well, it doesn't, okay. And you can go into the trade machine and try to make all these various trade trades work with the Pacers. The one thing that the trade machine doesn't take into account is the fact that Kevin Pritchard absolutely hates the Blazers and will not work with them. At all. <laughs> That'd be so, hard to
1: program yeah. into the trade machine, Ryan. Exactly,
0: but you know, say for whatever reason that the Bucks get swept here in the second round, Giannis, even though he just signed just signed a deal, suddenly he pulls what we're all concerned that Dame will do, and he says he wants out. And for some ungodly reason, Milwaukee's like, you know what, CJ Nurk, Anfer- or Anthony Simons, and like three future first round picks, no. and we'll do, and we'll do that. You know, then that, that's how Nurk's not on the team, but th- they'll keep him. He is, he is, as we touched on earlier, he is still a linchpin. It's just you got to do something. Maybe it was, you know, the the weirdness of the COVID year coming back from an injury, dealing with his offseason personal stuff. I don't know that kept him from having the right headspace. He needs to do what he's going to do, what he said he'll do and take some time away from
1: basketball, work on himself. He'll, he's going to be here. I'm going to answer the Nerd question with a series of my own questions and then kick it to Keith. Uh, can you rely on Nurkic as a second or even a third option on a contending team? By the way, this is from my piece on We Like the Blazers. At 27, your, is opus, he, <laughs> your Opus manifesto. Your Opus manifesto. Is he past his prime? Can you expect him to change in a different system with different players? Can he bring his best consistently? And then, kind of specific to the point, like, do you keep him for a year and wait to reevaluate? Or you could do this, you could see what you could get in return while he's healthy. And he just got done proving the impact he can have in a competitive playoff series. So, like, like I, I seriously think that th- there is a universe in which the Blazers may say, well, he's on a reasonable deal. He is only under team control for one more year. But if you were to trade him, the team who got him would keep him under that control for that year on a reasonable contract. Maybe he does then have some value. Maybe he is a throw in in a CJ trade, right? Like, we don't know. There could be a three team trade where something happens. The Blazers get a different center back and the piece that you get back. That's not the center is good enough to justify getting rid of Nurk. So I'm just saying, I don't think it's so clear cut. I think that that everything is on the table except for Dame. That's how I feel about it. Wow. Thanks for bringing clarity and confidence
0: to
2: Blazer land with that answer. (laughs) Everything
1: is on the table. Everything is on the table. We have no idea what's happening.
2: It's, I mean, that, that that is the unfortunate kind of truth that Blazer fans are going to have to deal with this summer is that pretty much everything is going to be on the table. At Nurk is, I, I could see it going either way. If you told me that he got moved in a package with CJ somewhere else, I'd believe it. If you told me the Blazers kept him here, he, like, like we said earlier, he works well with Dame. He's not a young, young player, but he's young enough. We've invested in him and we've also invested where well, he's not overly priced, uh, if he got moved, honestly, I I don't even know if it would. If if there, sorry, if if there's a reason for him not to get moved this summer, it's because he could still get moved during the next season. You know, yeah. it's a, uh, with that with that contract, if he and, is and, playing well at the, in the fall, like maybe other teams are like his as, value rises in the eyes of other teams. But by the way, he's coming up on a prove it year. Everyone plays great in contract here. That's true. <laughs>
1: it's a good point.
2: Well, that,
0: I think unless that's you're Hassan thing. Whiteside.
2: The, honestly, <laughs> though, the, I wouldn't be surprised either. Though, with the way that Nurk has had. The, the struggles to stay on the court, the emotional and kind of hard on the sleeve struggles as well. Uh, the amount of energy that I think we've even seen on camera as fans that Dame and other players have had to kind of put into keeping Nurk focused in games even. I wouldn't be too surprised if some of the locker room, Dame included, is a little tired of him. So I, it, it really wouldn't shock me if, if he got moved this summer or in the middle of next season in, a, in its own separate trade. But it also wouldn't shock me to see him Completely uh, kind of, you know, like shape up in the off season, focus in a little bit, and uh and and pull it together for one more year in you know, a prove it season. So Yo- yes, uh again providing all the clarity uh that, that fans like, are looking for feels <laughs> weird being the optimistic
0: uh unicorns and rainbows guy in the room but all right we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up again thank you everyone who stuck around for an hour and a half uh there's a Woo. whole bunch of speculation and stuff and this is as you know we've all referenced this is a big transformation period this is one of the most uncertain times damn it i used it myself <laughs> uh, in one of are- the most uncertain <laughs> times yeah uh everything's uh, yeah Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we need to get out of here. Um, you know, so there's a lot to talk about. We'll still be doing these weekly because, we, you know, obviously, as everything happens, follow uh, along a little bit with the rest of the NBA because some of the, what happens with other teams still in the playoffs could affect the Blazers. Um, but other than that, uh, before we get out or before Brandon tells you where to find us, uh, I hear he has a piece that he wants to plug. And this is literally where I made the space to do it. So I want I just want to make sure that we give you your time. So this is I literally Ryan. have it in here as Brandon Plug.
2: So Ryan, Brandon. How 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 did you possibly think this wasn't gonna come up till now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, you know I'm gonna talk about this. Uh that was yeah. my mistake. My mistake. <laughs> yeah, I uh I wrote a piece. Uh it's on we like the Blazers.com. It's the it's the five second explanation. It's a both a retrospective and a prospective. It goes through what should the Blazers be thinking about in the next year? Check it out it's on the podcast feed it's on the site it's cool uh, but if you want to reach out to us you always can at weliketheblazers.com also on twitter at like the Blazers. you can find us on any podcatcher but that does not answer the unanswerable question of Keith Feltner-Smith where can people find you and your work if they wanted to harass you or do any number of making funds or if they wanted to commiserate with you about how annoying it is to do a podcast with me again which by the way thank you again for taking the time Keith where can people
2: find your stuff well, they, they can't find my work anywhere because I don't work. I I, I simply <laughs> put nothing out. I my, my, my tweets are mostly retweeting other people. I, I'm I'm a creeper or whatever in the background for a while, but you can find my creeping at Rip City Keith and at Trailcasters. Uh, yeah, check out the Trailcasters pod as well. I've been working with a lot of different buddies. We had a whole sequence with me and uh, my friend Abdi Kallis out in Minnesota. And aq. Uh, my, Mikey AQ and then Mikey Weisenberg. We had uh, Evan M. come on the other day as well, who I know has come on yeah. here recently. Yep. Shout out to uh, the the slickest Blazers prints you can find online. Uh, but yeah, find uh, find all of my non-work at Trailcasters. And uh, honestly, maybe don't check out at Rip City Keith because despite being called Rip <laughs> City Keith, it's mostly a lot of like political and social justice talk. So if you want the Blazers talk, go to Trailcasters. If you want to get serious and uh, anxiety and maybe a bit depressed, go find my other stuff. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Nothing wrong with
1: that. A little slice of life. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. And uh, yeah, go Blazers. Go Blazers. Go Blazers.